to warm us up on this chilly day is our good friend Mr. Al Bat from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, where I'll bet it's cold there too, Al. Yeah, I stepped out there for a while, and it was uh, 18 below, I think, when I was out. But there, there really wasn't any wind at all, and did, I know it's going to pick up. But right now it's uh, pretty calm, I think. Did so your face fall off? You know, they always say, I'm going to freeze my butt off. And then I've seen that cartoon where they show the snowman and part of his, his backside <laughs> is frozen off. Did your face freeze off when you went out there, Al, or are you still uh, good? Both ends froze oh. off, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's you have to be careful to put them back in the right place yeah. after that <laughs> happens, I found. So it, it is cool. You know, yesterday I was at a uh, at a thing, and a friend who is a convention and visitors bureau director told me that she and her husband were getting electric vests that have uh, like a little battery pack in there, and you can control the temperature of the vest. And I thought, wow, who would ever have thought of it? I remember years ago being in the barn on these cold, cold days, and I dream, daydream, of course, because uh, I had to concentrate on milking cows, but I, I daydream about electric socks. And then I'd listen to Hawaiian music, uh, <laughs> if I could, on the radio, because I thought that would warm me. And then I spent the rest of the week trying to get rid of that Don Hole earthworm. Uh, earthworm, earworm. earworm. <laughs> yeah, it might have been an earthworm. But that earworm, it just had tiny bubbles. I couldn't get that out of my head. And if anybody's going to have that now, I apologize for that. And <laughs> oh, not dear. against Don Hole. But it's just one of those, there's certain songs that stick in your head and they just won't leave. I, I got a, a thing today from a, a columnist from uh, out in Michigan somewhere, and he's doing his predictions for uh, 2022. And number 13, as Al Bat publishes a sci-fi epic that hits the New York Times bestseller list lasting six months. So wow. I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping <laughs> that'll come true. I, I don't even, I don't know how to write a sci-fi thing. I know. So I saw a um, I saw one of the Star Wars movies, so maybe that'll (laughs) qualify me as that. Uh, You know, growing up on a farm, my father taught me that alfalfa loves snow, because if you have a thick blanket of snow, that increases the chances of alfalfa surviving winter. So the alfalfa was smiling Sunday on my way to church, and I saw white flashes of three large flocks of snow buntings. A flock of Lapland long spurs and many small groups of horn larks. In my first three miles, I hadn't seen many of these birds this winter because there was a lack of snow cover. They feed in the fields until deeper ice-encrusted snow covers their food, and that chases them to the roadsides where weed seeds and spilled grain are snagged by the gravel. They show up when snowmobiles do. So when you see snowmobiles running around, you look for these three birds. I saw a couple of rough-legged hawks later in my drive. I called them Christmas hawks when I was a precocious, or maybe it was a pestiferous child. I was one of the two. The roughies nest in the Arctic. They have feathered pants, so they have feathering to the base of their toes. They have tiny bills. Their feet are smaller than those of red-tailed hawks, which allow roughies to perch at the tip-top of small branches. I watched a red fox tiptoe through the yard at daybreak. They typically weigh 8 to 15 pounds. 
And squirrels, I'm looking at a fox squirrel out the window as I speak, they use the cheerful sounds of birds to infer the absence of predators. So if the birds are all, you know, the house sparrows are chirping away like they do, squirrels say, well, all is right with the world, and they can just get on with their business. Because gray and fox squirrels are scatter hoarders. And that means they hoard food in scattered locations, and they access it later. Or they don't, I, and then you have weird things growing at weird places. I've had that happen where the, the squirrels have put stuff, and all of a sudden I see these things coming up. I'm like, huh, I don't remember planting anything here, and it's usually like yeah. a huge clump of seeds or something. So, yeah, they, they're scatter hoarders and scatter. That's, that's how gardens get weedy, those darn squirrels. They do that, too. They do, and uh, they will plant some oak trees, as will blue jays are great at planting oak trees here and there. And oak trees are wonderful. They take a long time to grow. Uh, They aren't as maybe, oh, I hate to say weedy about an oak tree, but they aren't quite as weedy as ash and maple Mm. and box elder and some of those. Just uh, they love to grow in my garden and uh, Oak trees behave themselves pretty good, but blue jays do plant them, as do squirrels. I saw a murmuration of starlings on one warm day. They weaved and dipped across my field of view. Airplane pilots wish they could do what those flying birds do. Uh, Crows in the distance, they look like apostrophes perched in a gray tree. We're getting winter and winter, no surprise. Uh, Some consider winter a bully, but I find the world big enough for both winter and me. I don't take up much room. I saw a possum in the yard. Oh, pink ears and pink tip of his tail indicated frostbite. I I feel so sorry. I like I like possums. You know, Pogo, it was created by Walt Kelly, said, we have met the enemy and he is us. I think this local possum might consider winter an antagonist. It's just, it's pretty hard on him. I found a, uh, I'd mentioned this and somebody asked about it, I found a pair of American white pelicans on the water on the Shell Rock River on Christmas bird count of December 31st. And my first instinct was that one was injured, I couldn't see any visible injury, and that its mate refused to leave it. But they are serially monogamous, and they form pairs for one breeding season at a time. So pairs form through courtship rituals once they arrive at the breeding colony. So are these two a pair? I don't know. Why are they still here? I don't know. I guess they have to be somewhere, but it'd be interesting if they uh, they could talk, and, and I hope them well. This, uh, this weather like this, of course, if they can get food, I guess they'll do all right. Uh, Marion Ball of Faribault says, Al, have you noticed a decline in smaller birdies since that uh, tornado big wind went through? I'm seeing some juncos, a finch, a few chickadees, a couple of red poles, and a few sparrows at my feeder. That's all. Uh, Makes me sad. I think I had a visiting deer earlier. Uh, twice I found my heavy wooden tray feeder with a roof on the ground. goes into a metal frame that also holds a heated bird bath spa and sits on tall metal rods so I can fill it from the deck. The feeder is quite set heavy, so I can't imagine anything like a raccoon lifting it out. And why would they bother when they can just lay in it and indulge? The second time, I really got angry because it hit a rock and broke a piece of the roof off. Underneath the feeder was a pile of scat pellets that I'm assuming are from deer. 
I wired the feeder to the frame and have no further problems. Yeah, I've um, I, I had one uh, that was broken. It was a oh, like a little house sort of had uh, plastics, clear plastic sides on it, and deer got it down. And I I don't know if they stepped on it or what happened. So it can happen. They like to eat too. Uh, Gunner Berg of Albert Lee said, Raccoons have an almost mechanical ability to open latch doors and gates with their little hand paws. It is seldom published, but I read in a recent Locksmith Monthly article that they can also open combination locks. I've got to see that article, Gunner, from you. Thanks, Gunner. Uh, Rick Draper of Albert Lee said, Deep winter is a time to endure for outside animals. Deluxe bird seed with black sunflowers and chicken scratch. 40-pound bags were on sale for just $10 a bag. Oats and cracked corn and something else. I hope to see the... He has deer coming up and eating a bunch of his stuff out of his bird feeders as well. I hope to see the highly elusive little gray fox again. They are so cute. Raccoons I can do without pigging out before the deer get here. The occasional possum is ugly cute. (laughs) North America's only marsupial. And I think that's an excellent description on them, Rick, because... uh, people would probably uh, be right down the middle on that half, saying "ugh," and the other half saying "oh." So they, I think, I'm on the cute side. Uh, Doug Har, Doug lives down in Ogden, Iowa, and oh, I don't know how many years ago I met Doug. It was a, he was a. Oh, I don't know if he's the director of Iowa Audubon. He was heavily involved with Audubon anyway, and he said on his way back from Ames to Ogden we passed a turkey vulture perched in a tree. First time I've ever seen a turkey vulture in central Iowa in midwinter. The temperature was 10 degrees. At 8.30 that morning, we had three American goldfinches, a couple red poles, and a couple of pine siskins, all in a fight to take control of our biggest finch feeder. First time we've ever had all three of those species at the same time on one feeder here. Uh, Pamela Bruceman said, I saw a bird that upon first sight looked an awful lot. Why is a, why is a lot awful? Like a starling. I did the only thing a birder could do, especially given the severe cold. I grabbed my binoculars and trained them upon them. They were having a go at my feeders. Yup, stubby tail, black, but not entirely as the black seemingly masked, just slightly brown and speckled, and the head was blacky sheen. The final ID was that beak, longish and yellow, three starlings. Aren't they supposed to be literally snowbirds? Oh, Pamela, if uh, if I were Batman, you know, how cool would that be? Uh, the starling would be my faithful companion, Robin, all 12 months, 365 days a year, 366 on leap year. They are, they're here all the time. They're lovely birds. Uh, Robert Louis Stevenson wrote, A birdie with a yellow bill hopped upon my windowsill, cocked his shining eye, and said, Ain't you ashamed, you sleepyhead? And Clellan Card, I don't know how many people remember Clellan Card when I was real small. He did a Axel and his dog on TV from the cities, and we didn't get the city stations, but I've, I've seen videos and things of it. And Clellan would do that same Robert Louis Stevenson thing but at the end he would say what's that in the road 
ahead and um, did a bunch of other ones too and they, they were always uh, funny they made you uh, they were groaners I guess and who does oh he did uh, birdie with a yellow bill hopped up on my windowsill cocked his shining eye and said what are we having for dinner mother goose and uh, he had a whole bunch of those and just kept us all uh, giggling all the time so it was uh, it was always good to read those he um Clellan Card, I'm trying to, Axel, he had the dog, and he had a cat, and I think there was a nurse maybe that was on there, and he was a big uh, a big thing, he was on WCCO radio. Uh, Brenda Katasik of St. Peter has a yard full of wild turkeys, and she sent a photo to my wife, you know, that's who people send stuff to, that way they don't have to deal with me, and uh, said, <laughs> what kind of, what kind of, ask Al what kind of bird this is, is this a Cooper's or a Sharp Shen? I've uh, I talked to a friend uh, earlier this year, uh, at the end of last year, who's uh, been an ornithologist and studied raptors. And I said, uh, "How do you do on, uh, d- you know, describing and identifying these birds?" And he said, "Oh, I think I get them right about eighty percent of the time." And this is a guy that studies them all the time, and he's talking about from photos. He said, "I think I'm right, maybe eighty percent of the time." Well, this one, the nape looked dark which would mean it's a sharp shin because uh, the Coopers have a lighter nape on there. So it, it uh, I would think the eye, it was an adult because it was a dark eye, which means it's a it's an adult bird because uh, young birds have uh, light-colored eyes, so that we can tell. And the uh, stuff on the uh, front is different on uh, oh under they have barring the adults have where the uh, young ones have sort of a streaking more and the cooper socks again on the nape there's a definite oh uh, there's a break between the dark of the top of the head and the back so the nape would be lighter color on uh, sharp shins not so much and the legs, I couldn't see the legs, I could see the foot, but if you can see the legs, a sharp shin, they're like pencil thin. They're really thin. The tails, oh, you know, they, they all the field guides say the tails on sharp shins are square, on coopers are rounded, but they get beat up, those tails. Winter's hard and everything, so that's, it's hard to tell. They say... Um, some say there's a cleft in the tail of the sharp shin. Uh, the Coopers generally has a wider end of the tail than if you can see the back of the tail. It'll be a lot more white than in the sharp shins, but you can't always get the back of the tail. So I think, Brenda, I think it's a sharp shin. If I was taking an exam, that's what I'd put down. But, you know, as a long-time exam taker, I'm always prepared to be wrong on those, too, because I have been before. But it's really hard to tell those. Again, I know I've told everyone this a lot, but if it's real small, the size of a blue jay, that's a male sharp shin. And if it's real large the size of a crow that's a female coopers because in raptors the females are much larger than the males so blue jay male sharp shin crow female coopers it's the two in the middle the the male coopers and the female sharp shin those are the two that's hard to tell the difference and it's it's uh 
It was a nice picture, Brenda, so it's nothing on your end. The fault is all on mine. Uh, Chad Hines, speaking of those, he saw a Cooper's hawk in Blue Earth County. Would an owl lay eggs in an eagle nest? Boy, you think about it. You know, it's our national bird. Who's going to mess with our national bird? Great. <laughs> but a great horned owl would. They would because the bald eagle pair probably wouldn't be present at the time that the owl starts nesting. So he's got an open nester. She has an open nest. She just moves right in, no problem. The fierce great horned owls don't build nests, and they prefer to appropriate the stick nests of hawks, crows, ravens, herons, squirrels, and occasionally eagles. And they will uh, they will use them. So, and it's hard to get a great horned owl out of the nest. So the bald eagle pair comes back and says, "Hey, get out of there!" And <laughs> owl says, "You know, I'm not moving. You know, make me." make me you're not the boss of me and uh, i know i have no doubt i've not watched any but i'm sure there are videos out online of disputes between these two beautiful birds and um, green horned owls they don't know i don't think that anything is maybe bigger than them they they just they're not frightened of anything we heard from our friend John in New Alm, and he said, I'm sending uh, original bad humor. <laughs> I know, John it, was, in New it made me groan. <laughs> yeah, so he said, uh, we were talking about fobs for cars, and he said, thought about my drive to Dad's. You can read this on the air. If you take a fob, again, that's F-O-B, and put a small blonde long-haired <laughs> wing on it, wig on it, is it a fobio? Uh, and it's yeah, and it's some of you, you know, <laughs> he was a man who was on romance paperbacks. I think he made his living by being on romance covers because he had paperbacks. this hair that was long yeah. and flowing, and they'd make it look like he was in a breeze. And his name, just one name, like Fabio, Fabio and Cher and Beyonce, and there's there's a few of them. Yeah, Fabio, I, you know. It seems like it, uh, he it seems like he had a good job. When I was in uh, college, there was a guy by the name of Mel Jazz who had Mel's matinee in the afternoon, and there was pretty much he had three Tarzan movies, and he showed them every week, just one after <laughs> another. And he'd interview people, and no matter what they said, you know, the person would say, "I I pick fly specks out of pepper down at the pepper factory," and and Mel would say, "Oh, you got a good job." So no matter what <laughs> job you did, he'd say you had a good job but i think fabio had a, a pretty good job i think that was a good gig just being i'm surprised of romance i'm surprised you didn't get into that al you know you're that tall cool drink of water you know, i know you could have been on the i cover. thought about it but you know yeah. fabio had it pretty much sewed up it was hard to get into that thing. yeah I, I, i'm sure a lot of us have tried but it just didn't work Hey, um, before you go, yeah. uh, I got another note from John, this time via the text. He says, Al knows this one, and you always got to no, kick yourself no. when he says this. What did the pirate say on his 80th birthday? What did the pirate It's got to be something with R in there, he would think. I don't I'm know. 80. I'm 80. Uh, I'm 80. He I'm says, 80. Uh, John, man, that one hurt a little bit. And so, then he says, I, I hope you remember my fob joke uh, postcard, which we just did. And he says, reporting live from New, frozen New Ulm, 
back to you, Karen, at KMSU. And then I got another, a question from a listener. This is a different listener. And I don't know the name, but question for Albat. Why don't birds' feet freeze in this weather? Thanks. Um, they are, uh, you know, anatomically they're meant to take this. Uh, the veins and arteries r- run pretty much side by side uh, on a lot of them, so they warm one another. They also, if you think of their feet, it's mostly, they're sinewy. They, you know, there's bone and there's not a lot in there to freeze. That said, some pigeons and I've seen morning doves that have frozen their feet. I've had chickens, sadly, freeze their feet. But most birds, because you think of a duck on weather like this, they can sit in water, and it doesn't impact them at all because they have this interchange of blood that's set up so it keeps everything flowing and keeps everything warm. So they can keep their feet pretty warm. But again, uh, boy, I think like morning doves, maybe they're not just meant for this kind of weather. And I think some of uh, a lot of our birds leave because they need to go somewhere, or maybe there's insects and things to eat. But I think other ones leave because maybe their feet just aren't meant for it. And uh, I talked about the rough-legged hawk. He has feathers all the way down to his toes, and that's because he's from the Arctic. So when he comes down here, he is—he's finer than frogs' hair split four ways. Being in this cold, because he's wearing pants down to his toes. Well, so they we, are meant; their feet are meant to stand this. There's just not a lot there to freeze on a lot of you. Look at little chickadee. Man, there's nothing much there to freeze. Although just, uh, I just saw on Facebook somebody posted—I don't know if it was the naturalist. Uh, post or, or where it was, but they had a, a bird bath that was heated so the birds could get the water. But then they showed that the bird apparently had, I don't know if it stayed there too long, but the water was warm. It got its, its legs wet and then it froze to something else and it actually froze oh. like on there and couldn't get off and, and died. And they felt horrible saying, well, should I turn my, my water heated water thing off or not now because this is what happened to this poor bird and they showed a picture of this poor bird hanging that, that its feet were frozen to I don't know what it was it was metal or something and then it was just kind of like dangling because obviously it froze and died it was horrible I, I I think you're probably doing more good by having the water for them they really need water in the winter and sometimes you wonder there might be something else wrong with the bird, it had other issues that made this a problem, because it seems like most of the healthy ones do all right in that. And uh, birds are pretty smart. I think they know when they should be jumping in the water and swimming around and doing things like that. And I, I just think maybe there's, you know, an illness, it was injured or something like that. And it's terrible when that happens. I have to knock on wood. I've never had that happen with our water here. Um, I hear occasionally about it, but I still think maybe if you uh, put that on the scales, it, it balances. No, it's much more to the, the good side. I just got a uh, thing from a listener said, Birdie with a yellow bill hopped upon my windowsill, mm-hmm. cocked a shining eye, and said, What did you do with the light bulb? Socket? Oh, yeah. Bad. And uh, from a guy from uh, Embarrass says, uh, I feel sorry for you guys. It was 37 below here at sunrise. Said, No birds came to the feeders until 9 a.m. <laughs> 
so yeah, I don't blame them. I'd sleep in too. I think at thirty-seven below. Uh, speaking of that, where do juncos spend winter nights? Uh, they prefer to roost in conifers at night, but they also use tall grasses and brush piles. They return to the same roost locations regularly, and I see them frequently in cedars and arborvitae. I love hearing the jungles. They do this toot-toot-toot call, which is reminiscent of the sounds of a ray gun in some of those old cheesy uh, sci-fi movies that they drive in, and I'll, I'll be writing about that when my book comes out and hits the New York Times bestseller. It's probably going to be about juncos. And, uh, thanks. Boy, it's fun uh, fun talking to all you, and it's great here, and I got quite a few of these uh, Birdie with a yellow bill, thanks. Uh-oh. Uh, about a, and there's a lot of Axel and, uh, and his dog fans out there, so it's great hearing from all of you. Uh, they were, uh, I guess, simple times when we found that just so exciting. Uh, there was not a whole lot of action. or there, there we, It wasn't interactive. We just had to watch, so it was, it was different things. But uh, thanks, everybody, uh, again, for sitting on the front porch with me. You know, yesterday, when I was younger, smoking was cool. Famous actors smoked. The star center fielder of the Yankees smoked. Teachers smoked. Doctors not only smoked openly, they made ads about smoking. Just think of that. The doctors on there, uh, one was saying... uh, I recommend this kind of cigarette for my patients who smoke. Armed Forces personnel were given cigarettes by tobacco companies who'd hoped they developed a nicotine habit so they'd have good business down the line. I was stumbling around Gray's Drug in Dinkytown. And maybe some of you know where Dinkytown yep. is. It's yeah, right by the university is where I lived and it was a what a wonderful place. There was always something going on and always something to do. If you wanted to go um protest something, there was always somebody <laughs> marching around or carrying signs. If you wanted to go hear somebody speak, there was somebody speaking. If you wanted to go to a WC field a film bonanza, there was one going on. It was a wonderful place to be. But I was stumbling around Gray's Drug in Dinkytown when I detected a heavenly smell. I lived in a dorm, so I didn't experience many heavenly smells. I think <laughs> no heavenly smells whatsoever. So I was quickly able to find the source. And it was a guy who looked like a teaching assistant. I'm not sure what a teaching assistant looks like, really, but he looked like one should look. And I came up from behind, and I put my hand on his shoulder, and that frightened him. And I I needed to assure him that I meant him no harm. I was like a creature from outer space. I come in peace, and that'll be in my sci-fi novel as well. I wanted to know what he was smoking in a calabash pipe that was slightly larger than he was. He insisted it was legal, thinking maybe I was a narc or something, and swore it was cherry blend tobacco. Well, I went to the smoking section of the drugstore and found the tobacco was Middleton's Cherry Blend. It was meant for discriminating smokers like the one I was about to become. I bought the tobacco, 
pipe cleaners, a pipe tool. It was a tamper, reamer, poker, scraper, and fire extinguisher all in one. And a 99-cent Missouri Meerschaum, otherwise known as a corncob pipe. The drugstore gave me two matchbooks and closing crumbing matches, and I rushed outside, stuffed the pipe with tobacco, lit up, and tried smoking it. It burned off the tip of my tongue. Oof. But it grew back. Uh, there are <laughs> lizard people in my bloodline. Uh, remember, folks, Heartland is while we're driving past. Thanks for listening. Uh, do something just wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. And thank you, as always, Karen, for your fine company. I appreciate you. Oh, Al, it's always great to have you with the, with us on the, the air. And we want to wish you a, a great rest of your week and encourage you to stay warm and don't freeze your face or your other ends off. Hey, it's too late for that, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to stay warm from now on. All right. Thanks, Al. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, Al, always so great to chat with him. It is 1031. Time now for our history lesson for this morning.